second one is talking about the decision that some of us have made already and some of us are making today, which is following Jesus anyway. But before we get started, let's go to that passage that talks about Jesus making his silence known to his communities in Matthew 21. It says this, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the cloak and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowds had their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna!
So this is a very special morning because so many people are stepping into a new with Jesus. And I think that's a reason to celebrate, don't you? Come on, let's celebrate that together. It's Baptism Sunday. We have people coming up making decisions to get baptized this morning. And I wanted to let you know as we go into this, we have some written testimonies and some video testimonies as well. And so you may see it on the screen or I'll be reading them. So first we have Charlie. Oh yeah, you may be seated. 
My name is Charlene Dujal. And the moment that I knew I needed to accept Jesus as my personal savior was one day in service. Um, I recognized that I had been given a lot of grace and I had been running 100 miles in the wrong direction and I needed to stop and accept Christ as my personal savior and turn the wheel over to him and stop driving. And the reason that I want to become baptized is so that I can place my stake in the ground and set an exact moment in time which I decided to turn my will and my life over to him in his way. Cameron, and I really want to get baptized so God washes away all my sins and so I can believe in God forever. We have a harbor fossil. He said the reason that I decided to give my life to Jesus was after talking about it with Miss Jody in class and with my mom and dad. And the reason that she wants to get baptized is to show people that I want to follow Jesus. 
celebrating that the work of Jesus Christ has been made manifest in the lives of God's people. Lord, that you have redeemed us, that you have brought us back from sin and death, and that you have made us whole and made us new. We celebrate you, Lord Jesus, today, and we thank you for the souls of those who have made the decision to follow you all the days of their life and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank you and praise you for these things in your matchless name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. 
Welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. You might wonder if we do three loud praise songs every week. The answer is no, but we came to celebrate today. We came to get excited today. There, there are days for solemnity. There are days for a light piano hymn. Uh, and, of course, one of those days is coming up this weekend on Good Friday where we will be celebrating just what the Lord did for us and remembering the incredible sacrifice He made on our behalf. So if you don't have a church home, if you don't have a church family, we'd love for you to join us on Good Friday at 3 p.m. We'll be uh, honoring the Lord for what He did on the cross for us. We do that at 3 p.m., of course, because 3 p.m. was the time of the Lord's suffering upon the cross, and we know that from the Scriptures. And so we'll be singing some of the hymns of the faith. We'll be partaking in communion together, the other great ordinance, the sacraments of the church alongside of baptism, and we're really, uh, we're really looking forward to, to honoring the Lord's sacrifice on Friday. And then, of course, the joy of Easter Sunday morning is coming. The wind blew down our Easter sign yesterday or the day before last, but we put it back up because Easter's coming and the resurrection's happening, right? And uh, so we would just invite you once again, if you don't have a church family, we'd love to see you on Easter Sunday morning, 9.30, 11.15. If you are a Victory Lifer and you're a regular here, we have great Easter invites. Grab one of those Easter invites today. Take one of those to a neighbor and uh, invite them to church so they can celebrate, especially the unchurched, uh, those who don't have a church family or a church home, and uh, invite them to, to join us on Easter. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. I want to also make mention uh, to you today, just a little bit of housekeeping, uh, that you can uh, continue to give to Victory Life Church. If you're a visitor today, do not feel any obligation whatsoever to give towards Victory Life. We're not here for you to give towards the ministries of our church. We hope that you give towards the ministries of your church. Uh, but if you're a regular Victory Lifer, you know the ways that you can give. You can give online. You can give through text. You can give in those green offering baskets as you walk out today. So we want to make mention of that before we go any further. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to invite you to turn to two different passages. We're actually going to be reviewing where we've been these last four weeks is in regards to baptism. It's really a fun kind of thing to go back and review where we've been, and we're going to see something that links everything together this morning. So here's where I'd like you to turn. If you have a Bible, if not, no worries. It'll be up on the screen for you today. Go ahead and turn to Matthew, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19. Put a finger there, and then turn back to Matthew chapter 3. Okay, there's going to be a couple other passages in there, but they're short. The two longest ones in Acts chapter 19 and Matthew chapter 3. We've been talking about baptism and all the significance and all the meaning. And, of course, we have some beautiful testimonies from the children and from Charlie this morning in this service. Uh, there was one little girl that I think preached my sermon for me in the first service. I just thought we could just quit now. Uh, she had the whole thing ready to go on video, as bold as ever, at six years old. And so that was pretty cool. But we've been talking about baptism. And we, what I want to talk to you today is about a baptism into new normal, a new normal that God has for us and that God has given us through baptism, something that's going to link all of these scriptures on baptism, and something that we as Christians should see and understand and get used to. I remember I was in a singing group in high school, and the weirdest thing was that we would learn all our music, and then we would go travel to different places and sing and compete and dance against other groups. But our director, like in the middle of McDonald's or, or in the middle of Fazoli's, would be like, all right, get up and sing and dance and do this number. He's like, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to see that. But she'd make us do the national anthem or she'd make us do America the Beautiful. And sometimes we even got up and sang and danced to a bunch of people that didn't ask us to. And some people loved it because they were nice. Other people scowled because they were normal. 
and knew that you didn't sing and dance in the middle of McDonald's or Fazoli's. But there was something that was taking place that was important going on in those moments. Our director realized that if we could understand that we could sing anywhere and dance anywhere, we weren't going to be scared when we got to competition. We weren't going to be scared when we did it in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people, who actually did want to hear us sing and dance. And so she was getting the jitters out. She was getting us acquainted with new normal. And new normal for us was, people are going to watch you, people are going to see you, and you got to get used to that, no matter how weird it might feel. Well, there's a new normal that's supposed to be subsequent to Christians, or, or, or subsequent to Christians during, after, or sometime around baptism. It's something I'd like to show you through the scriptures today. And for those of you who are used to a church where you go verse by verse every Sunday morning, we usually do that. But since we've unpacked all these verses for four weeks, I'd like to bring some things into focus today from all the passages. So stick with us here, and we'll bring together the links, and we'll see what the baptism of new normal is all about. First, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. There was that guy named John the Baptist, very famous in the ancient world, written about by Josephus in his antiquity. And of course, it's throughout the Bible. John the Baptist was getting people ready for Jesus. And John the Baptist, as he was preaching about Jesus, said this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John's saying, Jesus is coming, the Savior of the world is coming. I baptize with you with repentance, so I want you to turn back to God. But he has something that goes beyond that, this baptism, a greater baptism, and I want you to know about it. Now, if you fast forward in that chapter to verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 16, you see the baptism of Jesus. And you see this Holy Spirit concept show up again. Look at verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. And we made no small issue of the idea that if you look down in chapter 4, verse 1, that it says, after this, Jesus was led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, okay, into the wilderness. So it's the idea that the Holy Spirit came and rested on Jesus, and then Jesus was led. Now, the next two passages you are not in, they're going to show up on the screen for you today, but we talked in the previous week about the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28. The idea that as Christians, we should be interested in making more Christians because Jesus has life and hope and goodness and sense and realness, and Jesus is the Savior of the world. But part of that passage is the baptismal formula, if you will, that we use in almost every church throughout the world, whether you're, whether you're evangelical like us, or if you're Methodist or Catholic or Baptist, you baptize this way. And this is what it says in verse 19 of, of Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then we talked about how we understood that it's the Father heart of God that wants us to repent, which means to turn back towards Him. That the, the Lord Jesus made that possible by His death on the cross as we put our faith in Him to overcome our sins. And then the Holy Spirit's there to do to, to, what? Maybe we'll talk about that as we move forward. Two more passages for you today. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the first ever church service. Uh, Peter, the apostle, the, the disciple Peter, is preaching to a crowd of people who are in Jerusalem. They're the first ever that weren't in Jesus' inner circle that put their faith in Jesus and believed that He was the Savior who had come from God. And when they put their faith in Jesus, and when they believed that He was the Son of God who came to save them from their sins, they said, Peter, what must we do? 
what should we do if we believe in Jesus now? And this is what Peter said in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'm sorry, I'm reading the passage just above what I wanted to read to you. Let's try Acts 2.38 again. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One more passage today, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And once again, we've, we've expounded upon all of these in the past four weeks. We're going to start in 1B and talking about the Apostle Paul, the missionary, who wrote so much of the New Testament. Paul passed through, in verse 1, the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Well, into what were you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized with John's baptism. And Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There's a link in all of these passages, and the link is somewhere around the time of baptism. The Holy Spirit is mentioned uh, as coming to rest on, or coming to baptize, or coming to fill one of these words, the people who have been baptized. And not only that, there's, a, there's this theme throughout the New Testament that when we, we turn our lives over to the Lord Jesus, and when we really say, God, you can have control of my life and my future, that there is a normal entry point for God to direct our lives in a way that He never has before. So I'd like to posit to you today on the authority of the Holy Scriptures that new normal for the Christian is life by the Spirit, or life in the Spirit, or life filled with the Spirit. Baptism was a new phenomenon when John the Baptist engaged in it. In fact, Christians hijacked the word baptism. It wasn't used in the, in the idea of dunking people in water. It was a brand new concept. And of course, it means washing away your sins and being humble before God and, and, and acknowledging in some physical fashion what's going on in your heart when you believe in the Lord Jesus. But at or around the time of baptism, over and over and over again, we see the Holy Spirit mentioned. John says the Holy Spirit's coming with the baptism of Jesus. Jesus had the Holy Spirit come to rest on him at his baptism. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Peter says in Acts 2.38, and the Holy Spirit's a gift for all of you. And of course, in Ephesus, in, Ephesus, in Acts chapter 19, Paul walks up and says, something's off. What's going on? Do you guys know about the Holy Spirit? They said, no. And he says, well, what baptism did you get? Said, uh, we repented. He said, well, you need to be baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Make Jesus your master. Say, he's the boss now. And when they said, he's the boss, here comes the Holy Spirit again. And that's not all of them. Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, Acts chapter 10 of the household of Cornelius, somewhere around this concept of baptism, the Holy Spirit comes into the lives of people. This is new normal. This should be new normal. That God's people have something beyond the laws and the Scriptures, something beyond the traditions and the worship practices that we engage in in order to be people in Christ Jesus. We admit that in Jesus we have a new and dynamic relationship with God. And it's expected that Jesus has done something so powerful on the cross, so important in the lives of people, 
so much so that God's presence can dwell in and on us. In fact, Jesus said it in John chapter 14. He said of the Holy Spirit, He will be with you and He will be in you. With you and in you, He says of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said it. Jesus lived it. Jesus said it. Peter said it. Paul said it. John said it, but we didn't read any of John's words today. The idea that new normal for the Christian is not that we not that we have the trappings of religion, but we have a real and dynamic relationship with God, whereby He comes and fills us and changes us and moves us. So this is where people get a little bit worried. Here you are sitting in a church and a pastor is preaching about the Holy Spirit and you begin to wonder, well, where is, where is he going with this? What kind of weirdness are we going to engage in in church today? Because we've all seen some weird things happen, whether it be on TV or, or maybe in a church where we talk about the Holy Spirit and then things get weird. We're a little bit concerned. We're a little bit worried. What, what's going on here? What does he mean when he says, life by the Spirit? Well, I, I know that there's no thing that Christians can be more dogmatic about. And dogmatic means dogmatism, which is the idea that, that here's my opinion on theology, and here I stand and I can do no other. No thing that Christians and their churches can get more dogmatic about than, than what God's Holy Spirit does and doesn't do and did and still does. But, but, but let's talk about what unites us for just a minute on the authority of the Scriptures. That new normal should be Knowing, noticing, and responding to God's presence in our lives. That, that's where every, every group, every denomination, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus, on the authority of what Jesus said, should land. That we should be able to know what the presence of God feels like. We should be able to notice when the presence of God is there. And we should be able to respond to the presence of God. In our life. Peter went on to say in, uh, in that passage in Acts chapter 2 that this gift is for everyone who comes to know the Lord Jesus. That we don't just engage in a religion of laws and rules, but, but we have something beyond that. Where we have a relationship with God that is real and that we know is real. That we know God is real. Because we felt the presence of God. And this is what was happening for those early Christians. They were legitimately feeling the presence of God. To know that this is not just the preaching of some guy named Peter, or just the preaching of some guy named John, or the preaching of some guy named Paul, and I'm going to get into some cult of personality. Know that everybody would know the presence of the Lord if they call upon the name of Jesus. There was a prophet named Jeremiah in the Old Testament. He he wrote his book about 600 years before Jesus ever came to earth. And he described in his book that there would be a new covenant. We're going to celebrate that new covenant this week. I mean, that's what Jesus was doing when he handed out those elements of communion. The new covenant in my blood, said Jesus. He said, this is new covenant. Jeremiah talked about that new covenant. He talked about the beauty of what was going to happen in that new covenant. You know what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34? He said, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor or each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, 
For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. This is what God envisioned for when He sent Jesus. Not that you would have to take my word for it. Not that you would have to take somebody's more spiritual word for it. But that a gift to you in Christ Jesus is that you would be able to know, notice, and respond to God's presence in your life. And I love what Jeremiah says. He says, I, I will remember their sins and their iniquities no more. We all recognize that what's stood between us and God our whole life has been our own agenda or our own sin, the things that haven't been right, the, the, the gifts of life that we've squandered in many ways, that we haven't given back to God. We recognize that there's something that stands between a holy God and, and sinful human beings. But we must remember that Jesus did something so powerful on the cross that he has, he has put together the, the circumstances by which God can look at us as fallen human beings and say, they are completely forgiven, they are completely cleansed, I dwell with them. Every time you take the elements of that bread and that cup, you're reminding yourself that God can dwell with you. Every time the Holy Spirit is present, the presence of the Lord is there. The presence of the Lord is there. There is to be a real relationship between you and God. Compare this to the try-hard moralism of other faiths. Try-hard moralism is, I'm in a religion, there is rules, and if I follow the rules, my pastor and God will be happy with me. I don't want to live in that world. Number one, I don't want that responsibility. Right? I'm not to be pleased. God is to be pleased. Right? But, but, but the New Testament conceptualizes something more, something greater here. It's not about rules and laws anymore. But that we have life in the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is, is the one who helps us to overcome sin. The Spirit of God is the one who leads us in new directions. The Spirit of God is the one who confirms that God is real and that our faith is real. Not because somebody said it, but because we've known and noticed the presence of God. I remember the time that this happened for me in my life. I was baptized at six years old. My father dunked me down the hall, just as I dunked my little guy today. You know, he didn't hold me under long, and I told Cameron I was going to hold him under as long as this thing's required, but I didn't. No, I'm kidding. But honestly, I, I can tell you the moment that I first noticed in me the presence of God. I was sitting up at the Michigan State Spartans Arena up in East Lansing. There was some conference that we'd gone to with our youth group, and I was sitting up in the rafters, and, and, and this guy was preaching, and I hated every minute of what he was saying. I thought he was a manipulative weirdo. And I didn't like what he was saying, and I was upset that I was even there. And I don't even know why I went. I probably just wanted to hang out with my friends. So I'm up in the rafters, and I remember what this guy's preaching about. He, he quoted one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He, he, he was talking about, well, cut off the dead branches in your life so God can, God can build something new or, or grow something new in your life. And he said, any of you who want to cut off those dead branches, I want you to come down to the floor of this arena right now, and we're going to all kneel together. We're going to, we're going to ask God's forgiveness. We're going to seek God in this place, and we're going to see God do amazing things. And I thought, I And here's the thing that happened. And for those of you who go to the church, you've heard this story before. 
my entire youth group went, but I stayed. I was not going to be manipulated by some spiritual weirdo, right? So I stayed and I sat there. Now, granted, somebody else had to stay because I was 14, so one of the youth leaders stayed. So I was sitting there in my anger. It's like, this is so weird. I don't want any part of this. And my youth leader was a couple rows behind me or one row behind me, and he walked over and he just put a hand on my shoulder and whispered a prayer of which I heard none of the words. Didn't hear a thing. He just whispered a prayer as he laid his hand on my shoulder. He went back to his seat. And after that prayer, I began to sit there and I began to think, Matt, what are you doing? You're not happy, you're depressed, you're anxious. You have no idea what you're doing with your life. You're completely unfulfilled. And as I began to talk in my inner monologue, I sort of began to talk to God a little bit. And I remember that moment. I prayed the greatest prayer of faith that I'll ever remember in my life. I said, God, if you're real, that was a joke, but that's what I said. Great prayer of faith, right? God, if you're real, I'll serve you. That was the beautiful, poetic, psalm-like prayer that I prayed to God at 14 years old. God, if you're real, I'll serve you. And that was the first time in my life I ever noticed the need of that man. It was so keenly felt. Something awakened in my spirit that, that had not been awake up until that time. And so all those kids were down on the floor kneeling and crying and praying, and eventually the band got up there and began to play the songs again. I, I remember the song that was played, This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart I worship you. And all alone in the rafters in East Lansing, I stood up and I worshipped God for the first time in my life. Because in that moment, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was real. So I tried to talk to the presence of my Holy Spirit. Or at least I was open to the presence of God for that time. Since that time. And I've had many other experiences, many other days in my life where I've known the presence of the Lord. But I want to tell you today, it was so important for those early Christians to know that God was real. To feel His presence. They were going to face 300 years of persecution. Martyrdom. It was so important that they knew, I have felt the presence of the Lord. I know that God is real. I know that when I was forgiven of my sins, something happened that changed me forever. I know. And many of them went to the extreme place because they knew that God was real and working in their life. Once again, great big question when you come to a church that is not your own or even when you're in a church that's your own and the pastor preaches on the Holy Spirit, well, what do you want me to do about what you're preaching? This new normal should be real for us. Second, that's the new normal that Jesus purchased on the cross for you and I. That God's Holy Spirit would dwell with us, and that we'd know the presence and voice of God. New normal should be for everyone, the least to the greatest. From Cameron and Lydia, I'm sorry, Cameron and Luke, Lydia's back there, and Luke's sister, Harper and Easton, to, 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 Elders with gray hair on the front row. The Holy Spirit of God's for everyone. 
that we should know His presence and notice it. Because God wants a real relationship with us. First, to know that He's real. But second, to know that it's not just about laws and rules, but that God has work for us to do in this world. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we, we, are God's workmanship. Another translation says, His handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't want to have to muster that. I don't want to have to always figure out what that is. I need God's Spirit to come and lead and guide me. And this is the beauty that God offers each one of us. If we know and notice the presence of the Lord, we can respond to Him. We can respond to Him. And if you know the presence of the Lord in that moment where the Holy Spirit kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, You see that person there? They have a need. Everything in the earth says it's not yours to meet it, but I'm telling you to meet it today. And you ask that question, is that my inner monologue or is that God? Because at some point in your life before you've noticed the presence of God, you can go, oh, okay, God, I'll meet that need. I trust that that's you. Your spirit isn't counterfeit. Or when you're reading your Bible and you feel that, that thump in your heart, God says, look at this. You've been ignoring this for a long time. But I have good things in store for you if you'll stop ignoring them. I have something that, that, that will happen in your life if you'll trust me on this. Why don't you try this? And you say to yourself, oh, is that my inner monologue? Even at 37, having been a Christian since I was six, it's still kind of like, well, is that really you, Lord? But I know. I know. Because I know that I would have never thought it up. <laughs> that I would have never wanted to go do it. <laughs> that I would have never wanted to go say it. See that person there? Go encourage them. Right now, they need to hear from me today, and I'm going to use you. See this discouragement that you have, this anxiety, this fear, and this worry. Here's what I have to say about trusting me. You're going to do it? Because if you do, you'll see how much I value you and love you. And I'm going to lift your spirit. You see that family strife, that thing that just seems like it'll never get fixed. Do what I'm telling you. And see what I do if you obey me. See, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And I could share stories that are going to make you seem spiritual. I'm not. I'm not. Most of the time I just want to live in the natural, you know. Just do my own thing. Honor God, serve the Lord, love my family. Hopefully, somewhat interesting and thought-provoking sermons. But I want to tell you, there's such a cool thing that happens when you know the presence of the Lord and you know the goodness. Because it's a confirmation of what our faith is real. And when we step into those moments, we know that God's there. And most importantly, according to Matthew chapter 28, you see that person who's been so beat up by life and they have no hope. They don't know what they're doing. And 
that one that needs a Savior, why don't you be bold and help move them one step closer to the one who saved your soul? Not trying to do Christianity in your own strength. That's what God says to me so often. Feed some soul to me. Remember the waters of your baptism where you said, I want a new normal. I want a new life. I want something that's real between me and God. Wash away my sins, dear Lord, and make me new. I want to live in that new. Because that new is forever. Ever. From least to the greatest. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? I'm going to ask that every head is bowed and every eye is closed today. And I know not everybody's there this morning who's here, and I understand this might be new to you or different to you, or you might have, you might not go to church, or you might have never heard anybody talk about the Holy Spirit. You're like those guys in Ephesus. Heard of Jesus, didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. I get it. We're not all in the same place, and we're not going to try to get everybody in the same place. There's no agenda here this morning. But I do believe there's some of you today who you, be, you, you say, I'm Christian but I'm really trying to do life in my own strength. And if there is a Spirit of God that can lead and guide and direct me and, and, and help me and teach me, just like Jesus said, then I'd like that. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you don't. You know what? There was a time in my life where I was sure that God was real. And I think I knew what His presence felt like, but I don't remember any of or if your heart's just wide open today and you just say, hey, I, I, if Jesus said it, I'm cool. I want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct me. I want to read my Bible and have God point things out to me. I want to, I want to see people see God working. That'd be amazing. Well, then let's pray together today. And if you're not there today, I would just ask that you just hang out with us for a few minutes. Enjoy the solitude and the quiet. But if that's you today, I just want to invite us all just to pray and invite the Holy Spirit's presence into our lives. Invite the gift that Jesus has. So that we wouldn't fall into try hard more, but we'd remember that our relationship with God is to be real and dynamic. If you'd like anybody to pray for you today, as is our custom at Victory Life, we would love to be able to pray with you. And some of our elders and their wives, they're just going to go to the four corners of the sanctuary today. And as has been seen throughout the passages that we read today, sometimes that early church, they just laid a hand on the shoulder and said, Holy Spirit, would you just come? Make yourself real to these people. May they feel you and know your presence and know that you're with them. That's where you're at today. I invite you in just a moment when I open this prayer. Just look up, find one of these trusted leaders in our church, and just say, Which one looks happiest with a mask on? I'm going to go play with that one. They'd love to lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. And you'd be led and guided and directed by God. If you want somebody to pray with you today, get up and move. Move towards them. We're just going to pray for a few minutes together with heads bowed and eyes closed. We're doing the spectator sport, nor are we trying to have something happen here. 
We're just trying to open our lives to a prescription pharmacy because we want that gift for everyone, the real and manifest presence of God. So we'll pray, we'll sing a song, we won't be long, but if you want somebody to pray with you today, you can look up and invite me when you say yes. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today recognizing that you, Father, have asked us to turn back to you to repent. Though my life is heading in one direction, but I want to turn towards you. You sent your Son as an overture of love to each one of us, recognizing that we need a Savior. We can't get out of our own way. Thank you, And when we turn to your Son, the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus, with a new life and joy for us, and you warned us, whereby your Holy Spirit comes and guides and directs us. God, we want real and dynamic relationship with you. Not so we can act to you, but that, Lord, the fullness of what you describe in your word would be made real in us. So, Holy Spirit, come today with your presence, reminding us just how real you are and how much you want to work in our lives to bring us back to you.
declaration of truth this morning. And we're going to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. For those of us who are praying in that direction, it's great to welcome him right into your heart. Saying, this is the Spirit that comes to us. Jesus, we thank you for sending the Spirit of God into the lives of your people. Lord, we want to be led and guided and guided and directed. We want to be encouraged and taught. And Lord, we want to do all the things that you put us on this earth to do. God, I pray that we would continue to give you control, give you the lead. Ask Holy Spirit that you would make the presence of God. 